Zach Silks in the house, experienced political strategist and entrepreneur. His most notable political success includes managing the history-making campaign to secure marriage equality in Washington State by a vote of the people and managing the successful ballot measure campaign to close the background check loophole on gun sales in Washington State as well. He also serves as a collaborator and political advisor to Nick, to Nick Hanauer, the influential entrepreneur, philanthropist, and uh, civic activist. He also has an article uh, that he wrote about his ballot initiative regarding background checks on sales of firearms and he had a huffington post piece he wrote a great piece in october of 2012 when president obama endorsed the same-sex marriage ballot initiative that zach worked so hard to make possible more than a pleasure to have zach silk back on the program uh zach uh, thank you for uh, joining us uh, good afternoon and and i want to say you are proof my friend of the power of one and how one person can truly make a difference. And I commend you for that. <laughs> well, thank you, Leslie. I appreciate that very much. No, I commend and admire you for that. Yeah. Seriously, I'm inspired yeah. when I hear about those things because, you know, somebody say, you know, people out there that, you know, that cliche, there ought to be a law, there ought to be a law, and then somebody's got to get up off their butt and either run for office or write a law or push for somebody to write a law or, and in, the, in these cases, these two cases, a ballot initiative. And uh, kudos to you, to my Pacific Northwest neighbors as I'm in Cali. Um, Zach, uh, you wrote a piece with uh, John Feinblatt entitled Tale of Two Washingtons. And you talk about, as our new Congress has commenced and already done some crazy, although not that um, uh, unexpected uh, things, um, but you talk about, and I love, because I'm a pessimist perhaps, <laughs> I love this, a new Congress should be a new beginning. It should inspire hope for Americans disappointed by inaction and gridlock. And I, I'm laughing because the way I read it is, you know, oh, here we, go, here we go again. More, more disappointment, That's more right. inaction, That's more right. gridlock. We should feel optimistic that our freshly elected members will hear the demands of the electric, but la la la. We all know that's not the case. And and unfortunately, we're already so early on in the game facing disappointment by inaction, by gridlock, or by actions that the American people don't want, even if they're Republicans, like trying to, and uh, unsuccessfully, obviously, again, once uh, again, for more than 50 times now in the past two years, repeal Obamacare. Uh, Let's talk about this. This speaks to the low approval ratings of our Congress, how Americans feel we can't expect anything from from our elected officials in Washington, and it keeps less and less people going out to vote and more and more people feeling, combined with some Supreme Court rulings, uh, that their vote doesn't count at all. Well, I think that's right. I, we, you know, when we're working on these issues, whether it's uh, marriage equality and, and recently on on issues of gun responsibility and gun safety, it's you know really it's the people are way ahead of our elected officials and our um, those who are holding office are just really out of sync with where the people are are at. The good news is in certain states, including most of the western states, we have the ability to go to the ballot and go directly to the people and circumvent the legislative bodies that are so dysfunctional and seem incapable of addressing the really big issues of the day, including, of course, this uh, epidemic we have of gun violence, but also, of course, wage stagnation, questions of inequality, disenfranchisement. Um, I think, you know, there's a range of issues where the people are way ahead of the elected officials. I think you saw that. We passed background checks in Washington state, but in many, many states, they passed increases to the minimum wage, including in states that are traditionally red states, Republican states, they passed overwhelmingly. So there's just a disconnect right now between our elected officials and where the people are at. 
Y- you know, you talk about in your piece, and, and you uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about some uh, issues. I want to talk about commitment. I definitely want to touch upon gun safety. So hang with us. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with our great guest and yours. Follow Zach on Twitter at Zachariah Silk. I love that name, Zachariah. I know Zach's a cute nickname, but I love Zachariah. Love it. Uh, Z-A-C-H-A-R-I-A-H Silk, S-I-L-K. And uh, the bio, well, Zach Silk's an uh, experienced political strategist and entrepreneur. Back with him and you right after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Zach Silk. More than a pleasure to have him with us talking about a piece he wrote with John Feinblatt entitled Tale of uh, Two Washingtons. We're talking... uh, uh, we're, we're talking Washington State and, of course, Washington, D.C. Uh, Zach, thank you for uh, holding and welcome back. Um, um, Americans and their elected officials, oddly enough, don't seem to be on the same page. L- let's talk about gun safety, something you know a great deal about, something that you worked very hard uh, with uh, in the state of Washington. And once again, my, my hat off to you for that. Uh, the majority of people poll after poll, regardless of their ideology, regardless of the socioeconomic status or uh, geographically where they are in the United States, believe that we have an issue with gun safety. And one of the things they feel that would help not, you know, cure all, obviously, would, would be a common sense approach, which is universal background checks. And, and when you talk about issues like gun safety, people have shown in, in your state and with other legislation, whether it be about, you know, marijuana, that if you can't get something done in Congress on a federal level, the people can do it on a state level because, in other words, they're finding another path to the goal that they want. Is, is that what we're going to have to do state by state when it comes to uh, background checks and be able to have some kind of a, a law where states agree on, on something interstate-wise that we eventually have universal background checks and more gun safety like you're, you're doing there in Washington? Yeah, I think so. You know, listen, it's unfortunate we have to go this path. We know that as many as 90% of the American people believe that we should have background checks on all gun sales. And, you know, you can't get 90% of Americans to agree on, on their favorite ice cream, let alone on this kind of policy. So it's really unusual to have that kind of consensus uh, on a policy item like this. Yet our elected officials in Washington, D.C., uh, have been unable to do anything about it. But the good news about, you know, our system and our both our federal system and, of course, our ability in many states to go directly to the people uh, is that you can circumvent these elected officials and go directly to the people to solve these problems. And that's what we did in Washington. You know, we uh, ended up beating the gun lobby. They spent millions of dollars to try to defeat us and we beat them, and the people stood up, and these were Republicans and Democrats, urban and rural. Um, we had gun owners and survivors, a whole collection of really the best and most reasonable of the electorate came together and voted to, to put in background checks on all gun sales. And I think you're going to now see that in other places across the country. I think we would prefer a federal solution, but if Congress is not willing to act, we're going to go directly to the people. And you already know that in Nevada, if qualified, a background check uh, initiative uh, for, for the ballot there to be on in 2016. My best guess is you're going to see it in a few other states as well. And until uh, Congress is going to take this up, we're going to, we're going to work on a state-by-state basis to make people safer. When we look at what happened in Washington and other things that keep happening uh, more state by state, this uh, should definitely uh, make civil libertarians or anti-federal government people happy. Uh, But even though we have our 50 states, we are a nation that sometimes needs 
you know, to have uh, federal laws. Can the people state by state push Congress to do this, one? And two, why do you think people continue to either not vote or when they vote, vote the same people in who didn't listen to uh, their their request and who continue that inaction and gridlock year after yeah, year? It's a great question. Well, I think, first of all, almost all the progress that has ever been made in this country started in the states, um, whether that's universal suffrage, labor laws and labor standards, um, of course, leading up to civil rights, um, the civil rights movement, environmental movement, as as it was um, finding ways to prevent uh, pollution and degradation of our environment. And then more recently with marriage equality and now guns, you know, it's very common for the states to take these issues up, show progress on the issues, and really give courage to the Congress to act. And I think we're going to see that in this era when elected officials are so out of step with their uh, voting population. I think we're going to have to go to the states, and I think we're going to have to go to the ballot box. It's very reminiscent of the last time that progressives really rose and did interesting things all over the country big part of that was going directly to the ballot box because the, uh, the the legislative bodies were really owned by special interests. And we have a pretty similar thing here, which I think answers your second question. You know, we have a an, an really extraordinary influence by moneyed interests, uh, special interests, and, of course, they've really um, manipulated the electoral process. We, we know that they're gerrymandering districts to make it easier for incumbents to be reelected. They're disenfranchising hundreds and thousands of legitimate voters and making it harder for them to participate. And so part of the reason that these folks are reelected is that the game has been rigged a bit, and um, we have to work on that and, and make sure that there's a fair playing field and people can participate uh, fully in this process. Uh, there are people that are posting who can't call in uh, today, uh, and uh, one says there needs to be more comprehensive background checks. The more roadblocks to getting guns, the less of the chances of tragedy like Sandy Hook, Columbine, uh, and, uh, et cetera, occurring. Um, however, given the power of the NRA, I don't think it'll happen. And, and I bring that up because my next question does have to do with the, the NRA. Um, you call this piece a tale of two Washingtons. You talk about, and it, it, it makes me sick to say the number even, 96 school shootings after Newtown. And that Congress is still too afraid of a lobbyist organization called the NRA um, just to keep deadly weapons out of the hands of criminals, out of the hands of mentally ill. And I mean, how many kids' bodies do we have to see put in coffins and, and buried that go to school every day in, in America before they will stand up to these lobbying organizations or some people will break away, uh, you know, from uh, their party. And many people in both parties, uh, Democrat and Republican, own guns. Uh, but you know, there's responsible gun ownership. And, you know, it's not responsible gun ownership when your kid has mental illness and, and they know how to get the, the, the gun that you have in your home. And I'm sorry to speak ill of the dead uh, with regard to uh, Newtown and, and Sandy Hook specifically there. But, you know, the, these are some of the problems we have seen in these school shootings, that these, these kids have ready, readily accessible guns. And not just people are getting, you know, guns easily, but where is the accountability when that gun is used, especially by a child? Yeah. Well, our, you know, the, the, our gun laws are just not strong enough in this country to prevent these things from happening. And I can tell you that we have a lot of gun owners who worked with us to pass background checks 
in Washington State. And the reason is because they believe in responsible gun ownership. They really believe that as part of supporting the Second Amendment and using a gun responsibly, it's also important that we keep guns out of the wrong hands, we keep them out of dangerous hands. And it used to be a consensus in this country, including the NRA's support for background checks, but something's happened in the last 10 years, and you know, the NRA has become a pretty radical organization. Not the membership. The membership continues to be very diverse and interesting, but the leadership of the NRA has become very extreme, and they're really outside of the political mainstream, and they're not sitting together uh, with lawmakers and others to try to figure out how to solve this problem in a way that will protect the Second Amendment, and I believe we can do that, and we showed that path here in Washington State, and I hope other states will join us until we can create the kind of political will necessary to overcome the NRA in Washington, D.C. Let's take some uh, calls. Dean in Buffalo, New York, Line 3. Uh, Dean, a question or comment for Zach? Well, um, I just have a, I don't know, I guess it, I guess it could fall in uh, column C. Um, being as though the NRA and special interest group yields so much power, uh, would you suggest that anyone in favor of more comprehensive background checks, um, I don't know, I was going to call it, uh, take it to the streets, but um, in more modern terms, call their senator or uh, congressperson? All right. Uh, Dean, uh, you heard his question, Zach. Thank you for the call, Dean. Uh, do, do we need to press upon our legislators more so that they'll be more afraid of us than the NRA, in a sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't mean to imply that we need to give up on these legislative, uh, both your legislators in your state houses, as well as your Congress representative, congressional representatives in the Senate and the House. We, the, the people in this country who support common sense measures to keep guns out of the wrong hands far outnumber the radical members of the gun lobby. And one of the things we have to do is make sure they understand that. Um, we need to make phone calls, send emails, and I think there is an element of taking it to the streets. I know here in Washington State we have done a number of large-scale uh, gatherings. Um, we've done marches. We want to make sure that people understand that they don't have to be afraid of the gun lobby and they can stand up for what they believe. And I will say one final thing, that this is really working. Here in Washington we've seen a change in the way that the state legislature views these issues. And I believe that we'll see that trickle up uh, to Washington, D.C. if we all take our time and, and make sure that we use our voice and, and make sure our elected officials hear us. Let's go to Reggie in Georgia, line four. Reggie, question or comment for Zach? Yeah, I have a, I have a both a question and a comment for Zach. Uh, Zach, um, how are you doing today, Zach? On this lovely I'm doing Friday good. Afternoon. Um, Zach, wh- why is it that all these radical right-wing conservative Republicans, whether they be Innocent law-abiding citizens or civilians, radio and TV talk show hosts or politicians, why are they opposing Barack, President Barack Obama on gun control safety background checks on a bill to have one or to enact or reenact a bill requiring, you know, gun safety background checks? You know what I'm saying? Why are they opposing him on this? Is it because they yeah, have- I think you bring, up a, you bring up a good point. I mean, the... It, it used to be that the NRA really did a good job of representing the best interests of responsible gun owners, and it was part of the reason that they would work on 
uh, responsible gun laws to keep guns out of the wrong hands. But over time, the gun lobby as a whole, and it's not just the NRA, has really become radicalized, and they have no. There's no room for reasonable conversation, and their agenda has become part of a broader conservative agenda. And it doesn't have as much to do with what's right for gun owners and this, protecting the Second Amendment. I would argue that if you really want to protect the Second Amendment, part of doing that goes hand-in-hand hand with keeping guns out of the wrong, wrong hands and making sure that dangerous people don't have access to guns and that they don't harm and, and injure and kill innocent people. Doing that seems to me to be the most responsible thing you could do as a Second Amendment supporter. But that's not the way they see it. And I have to say that part of it is they have, um, they've, they've really have a deep mistrust of uh, President Obama, and I think it's misplaced. Um, let, let's talk about, we, we posted something, and, you know, my crew is, uh, you know, my, oh, okay, thank you guys, I appreciate it. Um, uh, it why is it we, – we posted this, for example. A majority of Americans now support same-sex marriage and background checks for guns, asking for their thoughts to weigh in on the conversation with you, Zach, and with, with me. And uh, Charles uh, tweets, can you point to the data supporting this? I mean, poll after poll. I mean, we, we have a Gallup poll ju- just uh, you know on same-sex marriage, the, the most current one. Um, certainly there are polls not just uh, – well, at the at the at the Hill and NBC and, and and Gallup and the list goes on regarding background checks. I mean, even Republicans won't discount that. But but again, why do people not want to believe the truth about issues such as this: marijuana, same-sex marriage, guns? Well, I have to say that things have changed dramatically on all all of those issues. I mean, we are. You know, sometimes those shifts are generational, but we've seen shifts on those three particular issues in just less than 10 years. It was only 10 years ago in this country that we had, you know, dozens of ballot measures that prohibited same-sex couples from marrying the person they love. And then now here we sit at the 10 years later at the doorstep of the Supreme Court ruling that everyone has a right to marry the person they love. And so this shift is happening quickly. It's, I think, the same thing on marijuana reform and similarly on guns. Just a, you know, just a decade ago, you wouldn't have been able to move any of this legislation. Uh, you wouldn't have had hearings, let alone have Republican support in the U.S. Senate. The shift, a big part of that shift on guns has been that constant and regular part of gun violence as a part of American life that it wasn't before. I, I know when I went to school, I never had to do a drill to, about an active shooter in my, in my elementary school. Today, that's a regular part of American life, and people are ready to stand up and do something about it. Um, I do think you know, attitudes have shifted a lot on these issues, but they're shifting on many issues, um, and you're seeing dramatic breaks in the polls. And interestingly, our elected officials are just out of step. They haven't kept up with where public opinion is at. Uh, some people might say you live in a very, as I do, liberal state. And, you know, that the, the, you know most of America doesn't think like the coasts and, you know, certainly the Washington states or, you know, the Californias of the country. But, you know, the, the polls don't show that to be true. And then when we have ballot measures and God, we've had some ballot measures that are very liberal ballot measures on social issues, uh, such as same-sex marriage in very conservative states that have passed. Yeah, I think, you know, listen, it's true. A place like Washington isn't, um, it may not be like a place like Missouri, but 
I think if you pull the people in those places, you'll find that they stand strongly behind these kind of reasonable laws. Um, and their the polling on this actually is pretty pretty accurate in many, many places in the country. The other thing I'll say about Washington as it go, relates to guns is that we are still a Western state. Um, you know, we, we tend, of course, to, to have uh, progressive values on certain issues, but we're a Western state. We have very high gun ownership, some of the highest gun ownership in the West, and uh, we also have a long tradition, uh, like much of the West, of, of using, using guns for both recreation, hunting, and self-protection. And so the, these, I think we, we, you know, we're more similar than, than many states um, to, on issues of guns. But again, as you point out, the, the, the shifts on these things are happening everywhere. They're not just coastal shifts. They're happening in places all over the country. On marriage, for example, we see states all throughout the South are starting to flip on this issue, yep. too, where yep. there used to be tiny minorities who supported same-sex yep. marriage in those states, and now they're in, into majorities all over the South. Absolutely. Zach, more than a pleasure to have you. I'd love to have you back on again. Zach Silk, experienced political strategist and entrepreneur. Follow him on Twitter at Zachariah Silk, Z-A-C-H-A-R-I-A-H-S-I-L-K.